Involve. Solve. Evolve. Welcome to Cloud Crunch, the podcast for any large enterprise planning on moving to or is in the midst of moving to the cloud. Hosted by the cloud computing experts from Second Watch, Jeff Aiden, co-founder and executive vice president of marketing and business development, Ian Willoughby, chief architect cloud solutions, and Skip Berry, executive director of cloud enablement. And now, here are your hosts of Cloud Crunch. Hey, everybody. Jeff Aiden, co-founder of SecWatch here, joined by Ian Willerby and Skip Berry again. Uh, thanks for listening in. Today, we're going to recap the five most important lessons we've learned over a decade for new users. But we're also going to add in five lessons learned of advanced users and organizations or early adopters. Hey guys, let's start with the advanced ones today and talk about some of those lessons learned. Skip? Yeah. So going through the list here, if you will, I think we should talk about governance as a big uh, area, optimization, another uh, cloud center of excellence, CCOE, multi-cloud, and, and then just general talent, right? How do you keep your talent up to snuff and continuously sharpen the knife's edge? So, Well, kick us off with governance. You know, customers that are outside of, you know, POC, single application, they have hundreds, if not thousands of accounts. What are some of their governance challenges that we're helping solve on a daily basis? Yeah, I think the big one really is making sure that they're not um, doing things, uh, you know, you talk about shadow IT is one area doing things in a silo, right? This is about moving the business into a direction where everyone has visibility into, you know, the best practices, the involvement of the business, leveraging uh, lower operational costs, and then adding top-line growth. So while a lot of times from a governance perspective, you know, we follow change management, et cetera, this is about evolving the business into understanding, right, the critical role that IT plays uh, now as adding value to the business. So that's part of the governance that I think needs to be embraced in the advanced users space. And what are some of the tools that you're helping or or automation that your team's helping customers um, leverage in order to to make sure that their governance is you know up to the latest innovation or let alone you know up to some of the the, the more recent risks? I think uh, there's certainly some areas that haven't changed. We'll talk about those first is you always need a good tagging strategy, no matter what cloud you're in. That is first and foremost, it is a fundamental pay to play strategy that you must have. Once you have that in place, uh, one of the biggest things like governance is kind of normal evolution is you launch it with shadow IT, as Skip was talking about. And then people have administrative access to pretty much do anything they want to do. If they don't tag things correctly, they spin up resources. Nobody knows who owns them and they just stay and run and they continue to accumulate expenses for the organization. Putting in the proper guardrails uh, in place for this, such as AWS config, is a big way of handling that. That will make sure that when you build those business logic rules around it, and there's a lot of them out of the box that are just, just work, that you will not spin up resources that somebody cannot figure out who owns. Uh, it can shut them down automatically if the configurations are not done correctly. And that's really a big deal to, to make sure that everybody's following the rules because there's a competition between governance and going fast. So you want to use as much automation as possible. And there's lots of it out there now in order to accomplish that. 
Well, Timmy, you brought up one that we use every day, right? The tagging strategy, but for large organizations, that can be difficult, right? For them to implement that across the board. It is. And if you don't start from day one, it's a lot harder to come back and retroactively fix that. Uh, It could take months and up to a year in some cases that we've seen. So starting with that good foundation and making sure that it stays in place with the tools that will ensure that you will not have to, it doesn't become a heavy lifting item going forward. Well, and it leads into our next topic, right, Skip, around optimization, because without knowing the tagging strategy, you can't build back to the project. You don't know who's leaving orphaned resources, who's using what, right? So kind of leads into optimization as, as as something we see advanced users struggle with because they often just think it's our eyes, right? Yeah, that is. It's a well-defined policy still uh, must exist as far as like, you know, life cycle management from whether it's application deployment or what have you. And then really about um, just having a good control over your spend, knowing what you're, you know, basically everyone wants the the greatest and latest beast out there to go power on my biggest VM that I have, right? Um, but having policies set forward and knowing what those builds are back to uh, whether it's AWS and having your uh, EC2 builder all sharp and shiny and know what is out there for inventory, or just making sure that we have, you know, established guidelines as far as, um, you know, when you're doing a migration for cloud readiness assessment that you know where the application is going to fit into. Uh, So those are big from an optimization perspective, and then really have the discipline to go along and where necessary, give haircuts and make sure that budgets stay on point. Yeah, we don't want to give away all our secret sauce here on optimization, right? Because we're really experts. But we do see this come up with large companies, especially as they start to engage with these enterprise type discounts, right? And, you know, what we've seen over the years is is the simple Band-Aid is our eyes, right? But at the end of the day, there's more ways to leverage cloud native solutions and cloud native products to optimize as well as just, you know, new classes of service, Right, guys, that that then leveraging resources when they're appropriate, right? It's not just the financial piece. Right. Yeah, it's not the financial piece all the time. You got to look at test dev. It's usually where a lot of the savings come to play. And uh, it's not a one-time exercise either. It's an ongoing exercise that needs to be done on a regular basis. It's kind of like cleaning out the garage. Once you do it, the major lifting there, still got to keep it up to date. So uh, as new services come out, And as the skills increase with organizations, they have the opportunity to also not only just optimize their spend, but optimize the applications themselves by leveraging more cloud-native services that will continue to drive the operating costs down. I think it's about learning new habits, yeah, too. You know, learning new habits in the cloud that you used to do on-prem is really, this is a new habit, right, to be continuously looking at uh, areas that you can optimize, really, at the end of the day. And even though you clean out the garage, there's always some new toys to put in there, right? Well, who's responsible for this? Uh, you know, often it's the cloud center of excellence, which is within the organization at this point of, of more mature organizations. They would take on that or leverage a partner to work with like SecondWatch and other software tools. But let's talk about the cloud center of excellence and what we see as some of the best practices of the more advanced users on what that looks like from, you know, not just the, the, the people associated with it, but the roles and responsibilities. So yeah, we do encourage all organizations to form a cloud center of excellence or a CCOE. Uh, there's also another name that you may hear out there. It's not as used frequently, but it's cloud enablement engine. It accomplishes the same tasks. Uh, it needs to be a multi-stakeholder 
organization. So all, everything from the business to finance to operations to development, you know, it goes on and on and on. Everybody needs to have a, a representation in that from the IT organization. It's not just formed at the beginning and just once you get the cloud, it's done, but it's somebody, it's a body that will continue to revisit the new things that come out in the cloud and update the standards to make sure that those are enforced. The biggest part too is also just evangelizing within the organization to make sure that people are embracing the cloud, uh, celebrating the successes, and that can be from the developers to you know implementing DevOps with cloud native tools to optimization, cloud refactoring, and all those types of things. And it they have to have multi skills as well. You know, not everybody has to have every skill, of course, on the on that organization, but. As far as multi-cloud, hybrid, uh, and, you know, networking, security, of course, all those types of things. And it's really sharing those lessons learned, too, because everybody's new to this environment, and it can be paralyzing. So if they, they do it together, they're not siloed, uh, things tend to go more rapidly. Yeah, and they typically have an executive that leads the the center of excellence. And as you pointed out, right, it's, it's a collaborative cross function team that is subject matter experts in in particular areas within the organization, but then also become subject matter experts in cloud services and cloud solutions. Yeah. And that's where, like, from my perspective on the delivery side is really about, you know, when we have the established team or how the customer client is going to move forward, it's really instilling those values of, you know, uh, being bold, challenge the norm, um, look about new ways how to do this. This is about evolving the company to operate a new model, right? So uh, one of the big things that is always out there is um, once you have the, you know, uh, the team established and we're in the throes of the delivery is make sure that we, we celebrate some really some early wins of success with the, with the foundation of uh, the CCOE that's in place. And then really about making sure the customer has the confidence to evolve from there. And really that's their new norm of doing business. Yeah, and with the more advanced users and organizations with the COEs, right, they've grown up with a lot of understanding and background with Amazon. And with the evolution of the cloud, here comes multi-cloud, our next topic, right? Mm -hmm. They have learned all the acronyms for AWS. They understand the products and services. And now they're being asked to integrate another cloud, which may or may not be similar, from everything we've talked about from a governance and optimization standpoint in order to deliver services within the organization. So what kind of challenges are you seeing today with those customers um, taking that base of knowledge and transitioning to Azure or Google? Well, it, it is, there's a little bit of a learning curve. Definitely. One of the things that we we do tell people to do is, is, is training of course is extremely important to this. The other cloud providers have training based upon their knowledge of AWS. So if you look at GCP, there's a GCP training for AWS professionals and Microsoft Azure has the same thing. That's a great place to get started. It's really nomenclature at the end of the day. And uh, of course, there's a little bit of uh, technology differences as well. But ultimately, a lot of the Legos are the same Legos. Maybe they're a different color, but they accomplish the same things. Understanding that multi-cloud environment it, it does become a challenge because it, it can become paralyzing of determining where to put things when you're a multi-cloud environment. Typically what we're seeing is customers will go deep with one cloud and that tends to be the one where most things go to live. And that is for financial reasons in a lot of cases. And it's also because of skills. 
the larger discount, you can get more of a discount when you push more things into one particular cloud. Yep. And that aside, to dovetail off of that really is when we look at it, what is the best outcome here, right? So sometimes solutions that the client is looking to do fits better in one of the clouds better than the other. And then taking into consideration, as Ian said, skill sets and what have you, you know, that's really where we drive and help educate the customer, uh, you know, in light of too, from a financial perspective of spend and whatever program they have, those are things to consider. But uh, one of the other bigger things that are almost esoteric is probably the wrong word, but almost invisible, but there is uh, the culture. They may have grown up on an AWS platform and what have you, you know, Azure or GCP is coming to play now for whatever reason. Um, and it's about, you know, breaking down those, you know, our comfort areas as well to go and pursue that this may be better for the business to go down a different path than what they're accustomed to. And that's something from a second watch perspective that, um, you know, we're willing, able, and happy to do uh, with clients and helping them show that, you know, it's going to be all right, and we're going to get through this, and your your company is going to prosper from uh, perhaps looking at a different avenue. Yep. And, you know, listeners, you can you Google Hearst, AWS, Azure, probably one of the more advanced users of multi-cloud, which makes sense. We've worked with them at a number of companies, uh, a lot of their team, uh, where they previously worked and, um, you know, they have many, many years of experience, which kind of leads to talent, right? Which is our, our last topic for the advanced users. Um, you know, we see talent being tight in the labor market. So companies have to do some exciting new things to attract some of the top talent, right? Um, how else are customers solving for the talent issue? I, I think typically, Customers want to see the talent develop internally. Uh, they usually have some people that are very strong technically, uh, maybe new to cloud. So there's a couple different paths that people can do. They can really rely on the cloud providers themselves. They have quite extensive training that they can do with the client. They can go to classrooms. But that's great and all until you uh, have to go use it. So part of it is, is that incentive programs as well. So there's a lot of certifications available for all these cloud providers and incentivizing employees to go out there and get those certifications does make a big difference. And then in addition, you know, as we talked about with the CCOE, is really celebrating those early wins and evangelizing those because success tends to breed more success. Yep. No different here from my perspective of vantage point also. It is just, you know, I'll look at it almost make a Moore's law contrast, you know, from technology. This is really more from skills. Now everything that used to be, you know, a year, your skills held up or whatever. Now it seems to be like three months, six months, even even more. So, you know, from a, a client perspective, uh, very empathetic of where they are. But, um, you know, overall in the industry, it's going to be a process. We have to keep on retraining, relearning. And, um, you know, this is the new norm that we live in today. And it's a continuous pursuit to make sure that we stay on the edge. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to help clients get there from our perspective. So again, it's not just about implementation and what have you. It's about bringing customers along the journey and how they evolve and show them how to recruit, even in some particular circumstances. Uh, we've been working with customers for job descriptions, which seems so non-norm from a cloud enablement. But at, at the end of the day, that is helping a client evolve right in the space. So uh, anyway. Right. Yeah, and, and you guys brought up great points. And, and what we've also seen is those individuals that are involved in the CCOE, Cloud Center of Excellence, that 
leverage the ability to learn outside their expertise. So if they're networking or their storage or, you know, whatever their expertise has been previously in old IT, they start to understand that they need to understand a breadth of services right without the, within the cloud in order to advance their careers. And, you know, we were just counting yesterday that I think there's over 25 individuals that we've worked with um, that have been promoted by leveraging the cloud. So we've actually seen the inverse for some of the new adopters that we'll talk about next that fear that their jobs may go away. We've actually seen the inverse where customers that have leveraged and, and clients that we've worked with that have leveraged the cloud have actually been promoted in within their company as well as uh, within others. So great recap on the advanced users. Let's um, jump over to to new listeners. Um, so people that may be leveraging one or two workloads in the cloud and just getting started um, for a variety of reasons. But let's talk about some of the five lessons learned um, over the years that we keep seeing kind of repeat themselves. All right. I think that I'm going to add a sixth in. We'll call it zero and it's security because everything has to start with security. And if you do not do it now, you're going to pay for it later. Talk about building up technical debt. So we'll add that as the bonus one. But the first one to go back to the knowledge gap, it's that you really have to solve that issue. And again, it's with incentives. It's finding the, the people that want to do this. And as an individual in the IT market, you become extremely marketable if you develop these skill sets. For that alone, you should jump on board and get trained, get certified, and uh, really learn how to dig in on this. And the knowledge gap is wider than 10 years. At the rate of innovation, some of these services that have built on each other over the years has just increased almost the time frame to catch up. But in other ways, the innovation has reduced the complexity, right? So a lot of things that were done manually or through automation in the past, they're now tools. But at the end of the day, they need to start at certification level and work their way up in order to get a broader understanding of the services. Yeah, that's also experimentation. Uh, you have to have that environment and culture of experimentation. You can fail fast, way faster than you've ever failed before. Strap back up and keep going. So, you know, create that environment where people can get in and try things, uh, replicate things that they've done on-prem in the cloud, and, and really get their hands dirty. It's like going from a bicycle to a Ferrari, right? So Skip, you know, you lead a, a big team of pro services and obviously some of that talent's grown within. What are some of the ways, you know, here at Second Watch that we continue to get our associates challenged and learning more? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a question that I'm at by, I'll say, executive management. I had many of our clients asked a lot. And really, it's like the ladder of success is, you know, if you haven't done anything yet, the associate level of any program from any of the providers is always a great place to start. And then you advance up to the intermediate and the advanced or the professional, uh, as they call it, in each in each space. Um, and then really it's about, you know, um, wherever your natural inclination is or your curiosity is, because as human beings, we know that's where, you know, you, you pick up passion from. So, you know, things like DevOps, uh, security, uh, and then, you know, whether it's data engineering, whether it's data analytics, or, or what have you. Um, those are some more finite places. But at the end of the day, it's about exposure, you know, and that's really what we do with our folks, right? So look at the aptitude, what the background is. And a lot of our clients, people in infrastructure or what have you, have had that great exposure. And now it's about encouraging them on, um, you know, what their path to success could look like as their company evolves. So 
Well, and that kind of leads into the the next one, right, is is how to break down the silos of subject matter experts. And part of that's created a, you know, cloud center of excellence, which we just talked about. But as they start to get this learning, maybe they've been a networking engineer, right? And as they start advancing through this training on the cloud, what's a little bit different is they start to leverage areas and specialties outside of their expertise, but leverage them in a much faster way than traditional services, right? Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's building the trust model all over again too, right? In those places uh, where as you kind of de-silo, right? It's ama- it's it's amazing how people still want to hang on into their little uh, the worlds that they were before. Not to actually, uh, I shouldn't say little, um, you know. So it's it's about making sure that they continuously uh, understand that they're always not going to be the expert. There may be another expert in another business unit, in another line of business um, that's, you know, whether they're a STEM from CCOE or whether, you know, wherever it is in the business, they don't need to be the SME in the whole area, right? It's about picking a part of the business that they are smart on and then, um, you know, working together in an iterative fashion that the cloud actually promotes and getting things done. So. Yeah, and Ian, the next one on our list is scaling services, which you know could be pretty broad. It's it's more about assembling solutions, right? Um, because cloud is not always cheaper. If uh, you do it incorrectly, it could cost you some speeding tickets because you're going so fast, right? Um, so let's talk about some of the the challenges for new adopters that are looking at adopting cloud services. Yeah, particularly if you've come from a monolithic architectural environment, uh, it's it's very normal to say, I'm just going to take that and do exactly the same thing in the cloud. We see this with big data solutions. We see this with web applications and what have you. But understanding how to maybe break apart that architecture just a little bit, make it stateless, uh, understanding that things do not need to be persistent and continue to just allow it to auto-grow, shrink. Uh, you know, We can take things like uh, big data jobs, ETL jobs that run once a day, a lot of times enterprises have these large clusters of uh, Hadoop out there running 24 hours a day. That's no longer needed. If you need it for an hour, spin it up for an hour. You got the data. It's in S3 or it's you know in other cloud provider storage areas. Run it. You can do all this automated. Shut it down if it's successful. Push the data into the next uh, cycle of whatever that you're going to do in the data processing. Same thing with web applications. Uh, taking that and saying, I'm going to run it and the you know it, nobody's really hitting my news site at 3 a.m so i can scale that down but if there's a huge news cycle something comes up it'll auto scale and just understanding how to do those simple tweaks to the architecture then if you take it the next step further you look at containerization and serverless models where you get a lot of those things and they're almost automated you know if you look at aws lambda and you're getting a, a lot of calls behind it it's going to fire up and adjust itself uh, to whatever you need. Yeah, those are great examples. And one I think you kind of glossed over was around big data. And I'm going to challenge you on that, right? Because we've seen this time and time again. You know, the traditional way IT services have been uh, leveraged, right, is there's a business case. And the business case is some future use case, right? And a customer will either use assets within their data center or provision more resources, for a future state. So you have all this unused capacity. We've seen examples where customers actually take that business case and try to apply it to the cloud, not understanding scalability. So, hey, someday they might need two terabytes of data. That's what they're provisioning in the cloud. 
However, today they only need two gigs, right? And they end up over provisioning and saying it doesn't cost less. But if you looked at that over five years and the business case actually got to two terabytes, oh, you're going to save money. But if it fails, you just turn it off and start over, right? I was going to I was going to drive into that point exactly, Jeff, about especially new users, right? This is almost an intimidating, uh, you know, frozen mode for that they can't get out of their own way because they're so used to planning infrastructure and have, you know, buying cycle and budget, et cetera. And this is such a revolutionary idea for them to wrap their minds around. But that's a perfect example of, you know, an area where we can help a second watch to help them plan that out for them and understand that scaling uh, exercise. Yeah, it's not only mapping that out, right, but it leads into our next point of putting services together, right? So the old days, it was pretty much EC2 and S3, and then all these services, Glacier, I mean, you know, now new databases, et cetera, talk about, you know, machine learning and, and AI, right? Let's talk about putting services together as a new user. Yeah, I think like all good stories and everything that we've heard, it's the outcome. What is the outcome that we want, right? Is it a is it an upgrade? Uh, you know, again, is it a lift and shift? Is it just, a, you know, totally advancing the business forward to be more agile or more innovative or what have you? And then we look back and depending on what cloud service provider we have, we will go through the, you know, whole assessment phase and then plan it out on how we will get there. Um, many services, almost too many to list if you want to go through that. But um, but basically, you know, it's your foundational builds all the way through. I'll say you're, uh, you know, up the ladder, if you will, on enhancing that foundational build all the way to putting the application on and making sure whether it's a scaling application needing to scale or what have you, and then through, uh, you know, running optimization continuously on it or what have you. So uh, those are just some very high level, broad based, you know, putting services together for a solution. I don't know, Ian, if you want to speak to anything more specifically. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the other option too is to take some of your monolithic approach as well before and start breaking apart. And that's it, just simple things uh, before you can add a load balancer in the front end of it, uh, add a WAF in front of it, all kinds of just simple little building blocks that you put in front of it. Ultimately, your price is going to go down, your your performance is going to go up, and your operational cost will go down as well as far as the level of effort. But also use automation associated behind it uh, as far as the operational aspects, uh, again, auto scaling, those types of things. And just to allow the cloud to take care of itself as much as it possibly can with a lot of these newer services. Well, and that leads into our third point, the shared responsibility model. You kind of started out with zero as security. Um, you know, it's it's not just the cloud provider takes care of it. It's not just the company takes care of it or the partner, right? There's a shared responsibility in moving to the cloud. And it kind of goes to the governance from the advanced users. But let's just talk for a moment about the shared responsibility model, what it is, and how customers can understand it a little bit better. Absolutely. So in the past, if you're building out your data centers, you were responsible for physical security, you know, starting there to making sure you destructed drives correctly, uh, data retention, all those types of things. Uh, and then just employee background checks. Now that you're not even stepping foot into a data center, uh, the model is significantly different. So Amazon handles a lot, and so does Azure and GCP. They handle all these things that you used to really have to do that were burdensome. They're not anymore. But that doesn't get you off the hook. Uh, you're still responsible for making sure that you're using encryption in transit, encryption at rest. They give you all the tools to do it, and they certify it with auditors. But you're still your responsibility to architect your applications correctly, 
and make sure that your data is put in the areas with the proper uh, roles and responsibilities for access. One of the bigger things that I've seen that is a misnomer behind security in the cloud is they'll say, hey, I understand that this cloud provider has PCI compliance, so I'm just going to put everything in the cloud and a PCI. Well, that's not true. Their components are PCI, and they can give you the attestations behind it, but you're still responsible for your application of the design, implementation, and the way you operate it in order to uh, be secured. Yeah, key point too, Ian, is you still have to prove compliancy on your end, right? So, absolutely, yeah, you're getting fifty percent of it already done, but the other fifty percent is up to you. Well, and new users will actually sometimes ask to go see Amazon's data center, right? Yeah, yeah, they want to go see it, and you're not gonna—they're never gonna let you in. They're not even gonna tell you where they are. Right, and I think that's that's good for the new users to understand is that. You know, these sites are, I would call them black sites, but but they're not known to public. Your customer data is not known to the Amazon employee that's working within that AZ or that region, so they can't tip over a rack like your uh, employee could, right? A disgruntled employee. They're not going to know that your customer data is on that machine versus that machine or in this building versus that building. And they really have done a great job over the last, you know, over a decade in ensuring that that process is highly secure and safe for customers. Yeah, and absolutely, because they also bring in the auditors from all these different compliance areas to really make sure that they're following their own rules. And and they'll provide you these reports, all of them will, so that you can feel assured that uh, at least their part of the shared responsibility model is up to snuff and you're ready to go. Hey guys, always a pleasure chatting with you. I think this is really good. We got to keep it under 30 minutes for our listeners, both advanced and new. Thanks for listening in and send any comments to cloudcrunch at secondwatch.com and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Cloud Crunch with Jeff Aiden, Ian Willoughby, and Skip Berry. For more information, check out the blog, secondwatch.com slash company slash blog, or reach out to Second Watch on Twitter. Twitter.